0: This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode is about ethical sourcing. According to the website lexiconoffood.com, Ethically sourced goods are produced and purchased in a manner that demonstrates respect for the people who produce them, as well as for the environment. For many years, we've seen a parade of large companies promoting what they say are their sustainable practices and ethical sourcing policies. Undoubtedly, this originated with small businesses, where individual owners had the freedom to take a stand for their own values and as generational attitudes shifted and became trends the movement spread throughout the business world we went looking for clients who might know if consumers really care enough to support businesses that care because the research is mixed sometimes people are willing to pay more and many consumers don't act consistently i,
1: want me a dog. I guess i told you the reason why part
2: I'm Paul Gallant.
1: I'm Lynn Felici Gallant.
2: And we're owners of Paul's Custom Pet Food. We're a small company in New Milford, Connecticut. We started our business in April of 2014. We are a pet food manufacturer. We make a
1: small batch, locally sourced, ethically sourced, uh, real food for pets in a transparent way. We are part of a large pet food industry that is notorious for having questionable sourcing methods. And we started our business with the exact opposite desire, which was to source as locally as we possibly could so that we knew the farmers that provided and grew or raised the ingredients that we knew their method of growing or raising, how they cared for their crops, how they cared for their animals. And to the extent we are able, we think ethical sourcing means that we purchase from those farmers and businesses that have those standards.
0: I asked Lynn and Paul to explain the origins of their company and what transparency means in their operation.
1: The company actually arose out of our own feeding of our own dog. In 2010, our three-year-old golden retriever contracted cancer and was given only six months to live, unless he underwent traditional um, surgery and chemotherapy. And we opted to see a holistic veterinarian who practiced food therapy and herbal medicine. He's 11 now and healthy, but what happened was it opened our eyes to the realities of pet food and the pet food industry. We realized that very few, if any, pet food companies were committed to sourcing their ingredients in an ethical way, and also we learned that it was a very sort of secretive industry. Once, uh, sort of once our eyes were open to the realities of the pet food industry, we realized that we wanted to create something entirely different. We wanted to provide a food for pets that was made in a transparent way and that was made with human, real, 100% human food ingredients that we could trace
2: the transparency in our company reflects our effort to know the vendors that we buy from to to meet the farmers that are growing these vegetables that are raising these cows and then to do more than just buy from them to become part of their family to become part of their business and be an integral part of what they do so that we can develop a relationship that lasts and through that relationship we all contribute to a society that that understands where their food comes from, not only people's food, but our pet foods as well. And to do that, we think that we need to be involved with our vendors, and through being involved with our vendors, we communicate that to our customers so that they can see our transparency in our business and they can participate in it too. The basic examples of how we communicate that to our customers is that we distribute our food through farmers markets mainly. And through those farmers markets, we list out right on our table where our food is sourced, the farmers, the people that raise our the animals that, that we use. We talk one-on-one to these customers and explain to them, this is where we get this product from. You know, it's a limited ingredient product. It's sourced, as, like Lynn said, as locally as we can get. That's, that's how we try to communicate that to our customers. I think people are more and more want to know where they're not only, well, they certainly want to know where their food is coming from. And I think that through the farmer's markets where they come and they meet their farmers and they buy their food from their farmers, we complete that circle that here's your food for your pet. It's the same food you're buying from Joe Smith, the farmer. It's the same food you're buying from Riverbank, the farmer, only it's made for your pet.
1: Yes, and over the last couple of years, we've definitely noticed an increase in interest in that, and even difficult people will ask us challenging questions like, are you aware of whether the cattle was consuming grass throughout the season, th- throughout their entire life, or even using you know genetically engineered feed? So people are asking us those questions about pet food, the way they ask those questions about their own food.
2: And yes, we do have the answers to those questions. To
0: make a company succeed, everyone on the team has to understand the values. I asked about the approach to training and indoctrination.
1: When we think about that question, we think it goes to the hiring to begin with. And we really try to hire people who share that view, that sort of life view anyway. So we don't really feel that there's a need to indoctrinate anyone with our values. We actually just hire people from the beginning that already share those values of community, caring for the land, being just kind people, empathetic people who have a uh, you know a life view that is based on sort of caring. And then we can teach them what we do as a business, but from the beginning, they're just good people.
0: Being faithful to ethical sourcing often means a company's cost of goods sold can be higher than it is for competitors who don't adhere to the same practices. I asked Lynn and Paul about the difficult choices they had to make to stay true.
1: We are not able to source all of our ingredients locally. That said, we try to be sure that the ingredients we're not able to source locally are still raised ethically. We're not buying from huge slaughterhouses in the middle of the country that we don't know how their animals are raised.
2: A sacrifice or a challenge to sourcing as we do is Mm -hmm. is certainly, number one, is a cost. Our cost for our product is more, and the challenge that comes out of that is educating our customers to the fact that our product is more money. And so when people come up to us and say, boy, your product is expensive, Generally, our answer is, yes, it is, but that's the cost of real food. That's the cost of a non-subsidized real food that we know the people who grow it, we know the people who farm it, and that's a challenge. I mean, that's a challenge to to win that customer over. That's, That's not always easy.
1: So the other aspect of that is that we're not able to always source locally, and we have to make a decision about who then we purchase ingredients from. That kind of keeps us up at night because there isn't any chicken available in the state of Connecticut that is not so cost prohibitive that our customers, even with education, would purchase it. There are certain ingredients that are just too expensive and not only would that affect any sort of bottom line for us. And it's not a price we could put in front of a customer and expect them to pay it. So that's a challenge.
0: With the obvious economic pressures on every kind of small business, I wondered how any small enterprise, especially in a highly competitive industry, could resist the temptation to cut corners in order to make a profit.
2: I wouldn't say it's a temptation to cut corners. I would say it's more of a challenge to maintain that level of quality that we want to that we want to maintain. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that temptation is the right word. I'm I'm not sure that you know. As we go out every day, we think, boy, we could get that beef for a dollar eighty-nine versus what we're putting into it is eight dollars a pound. We chose to go to eight dollars a pound for our ground beef heart and liver that goes into our food. It doesn't create a temptation. You know, we want to be at that level.
1: Right. The temptation you know? would come when something's offered to us, one of our ingredients at $12 a pound. And we have to say, okay, would, would that be something that is at all feasible from a business perspective? And one thing we talked about recently was actually asking, particularly for custom orders, which we do, asking the customer, I can get this for $12 locally, or we can get this, through another avenue from for, a half far, for half that price, you know we've talked about, do we want to offer the customer that choice? We haven't co- made any conclusions on that, because we think even that sort of erodes a little bit um, our sure. sort of the backbone of our business. Someone came to me one time and said, "If I buy beef in the grocery store cheaply, would you make the food for us?" And we said, no. And that, that was a hard decision right. because we weren't technically buying the meat. But at what point does it become all sort of greenwashed? The thing that sticks with me the most and sort of describes the industry as a whole is that food, pet food, is actually legally defined as feed. So that means that what goes into your pet food as an industry uh, in commercials traditional pet food is not food. It doesn't have to be food. It can be food. Some companies have taken it upon themselves to do as we are and use only human food ingredients, human grade food ingredients. However, the industry defines pet food as feed and that allows for a whole host of ingredients that no one knows anything about. And that awareness now, the sort of increasing awareness by the public about that is what is sort of leads people to be demanding, I think, more and more the kind of product we provide.
0: Despite what can be agonizing choices, it appears there are plenty of benefits that come from being true to principles.
2: There's nothing better than seeing customers who who their dogs are healthier now, eating better food, and they come to you and tell you that. That's very, very rewarding, I think, for both of us. Regardless
1: of the price, sometimes, right. and, or because they're aware of what it costs, what real food costs and real pet food costs. Yes. And, and we, when we talk about real food and real pet food, we're not distinguishing them. That's the sort of, that's the beauty, I think, of what we do, and that's the education piece. You know, people still think pet food versus human food. All of our food is actually human food. So very re- rewarding um, when people understand that.
0: I asked Lynn and Paul what advice they could give to other business owners who were struggling with decisions about setting or adhering to policies of ethical sourcing. That's a big question.
1: <laughs> I, personally, I think the more local you buy, you purchase your ingredients re- to the extent that they're available to other industries, the more control you have over the ingredients and the chain. If you know your farmer or you know the business person and you have a relationship with that person or business or farmer, then you're more likely to understand, to know that the product is transparent and ethical or not and make a decision accordingly. But the farther we are away from the source of our fill-in-the-blank, food in our case, the less we know about what goes into it. And I would advocate purchasing locally as much as you possibly can.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And that, you know, as far as advice for other companies, the ethical part of, of things is Lynn and I decided to do this from the get-go as honestly as we could. The advice is if that's the way you're going to go, stick with it. Stay with what you decide to begin with. It's not always easy, but it sure is rewarding.
0: Many thanks to Paul Gallant and Lynn Felici Gallant for explaining their philosophy of ethical sourcing. You can learn more about their approach to pet nutrition, see pictures of their dog Hunter, and read tail-wagging testimonies from his friends at paulscustompetfood.com. Thanks to Jacob Haller and Lobo Loco for our ethically sourced royalty-free music. Our theme is by orchestral movement of 1932. Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. For the fifth year in a row, we are Connecticut's top SBA micro lender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates, as small as a few thousand dollars, and larger business loans too from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And this episode of Small Business As Usual is available there. It's number 18-2. So how did you decide Paul would work in the kitchen and Lynn in the office? That's a big question. Wow,
1: you said I was good at this. (laughs)